Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. It's Friday to one and all. Welcome into the Zunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you once again as we've got a terrific show for you. As always, Jeff Nadu, the big man on campus, going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be taking a look at today's slate, identify some trends that we're noticing in baseball. He's actually the one that turned me on to that Rays run line thing where the Rays, after yesterday's win against Kansas City Royals in 19 of their 20 wins, have won by two-plus runs. He helped me identify that trend, so let's see if we can unearth some more gems. In the final segment, I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board as we touch a all. Didn't get any Twitter questions today. Feel free to tweet them in if you ever have them at unit underscore 81. Always happy to air them out on the podcast, but with that said, let's try to find some bettable trends from yesterday's games. So who's streaking and who is slumping? It is time for Rakers and Fakers. Well, I don't think we're going to be betting on this trend anytime soon as for the first time since 1983, a pitcher hit a home run for the lone run of the game as the New York Mets take down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of 1-0, to zero, something that is bettable in the Reds' 31 games so far this year. They have seven overs. This has been a team that has been getting some good pitching. They've been getting absolutely no hitting. And Noah Syndergaard, who had been a fade pitcher all year long, is now 2-3. and three. He was terrific in this game. Complete game. Nine innings pitch. 
gives up four hits, 10 strikeouts, 502 is now his ERA. And I mentioned before, he was the first pitcher to pitch a complete game and get the lone home run in a 1-0 game. The last time that happened, 1983, Bob Welch. That is one that you can win a bar bet on. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Tyler Molly looked pretty good in this one. He had 84 pitches in five innings, gave up one run. That one run was to Noah Syndergaard, obviously. And then from there, the Cincinnati Reds, three innings of relief. No, it's given up, including Zach Duke, who has really been the weak link of the bullpen. Dylan Hernandez, who has been seen in so many appearances this year, continues to be very good for the team. So that's something that you want to note. The San Diego Padres explode for 11 runs on Michael Fultonavich and the Atlanta Braves as they get an 11-2 win. For the Atlanta Braves, the only good thing you could say is that Nick Barkakis had two RBI in this one. And Charlie Goldberson, a position player, wound up pitching in this one. One inning of scoreless baseball on 26 pitches. Got to give him some credit there. It's Mike Fultonavich, 4.2 innings. He gives up six runs. A lot of this actually was not his fault as he gives up two runs. Actually, it sort of was because the error that really led to a lot of these runs was his throwing error. It's one of those things that you just have to identify with pitchers that just can't throw to first base like John Lester and company, but you just never know it's going to rear its ugly head. That was absolutely awful. And then for the Atlanta Braves, we all know that their bullpen is not very good. And the man that gave up five runs for this team, Shane Carl, now has a 9.64 ERA as he really gave it up. Matt Stram looks like he's acclimating himself very well to the starting rotation after being a reliever last year. Six innings pitch, gives up two runs, both of which were earned. Six strikeouts, now has a 3.03 ERA, his first win of the year. Luis Perdomo out there in the bullpen actually pitched two innings of relief. He's been very much a hit or miss pitcher, and then Matt Whistler, who has been a little bit shaky in the bullpen himself, wound up delivering a scoreless inning to drop his ERA to a 4-5-0. Ian Kinsler, he came on in a big way. He's been struggling all year long, still hitting just a buck seventy-four, but he has his third home run of the year, goes 3-for-6. Will Myers, who had been in a bit of a funk himself, his sixth dinger of the year. Some very good signs for the San Diego Padres, who pound out 17 hits in this game. It was just everyone getting it done for them. Speaking of teams that had everyone getting it done for them, the Minnesota Twins, as they take their series over the Houston Astros and are now 19-10, and very profitable team. They get an 8-2 win. Jose Barrios continues to be great at home. His lifetime home record now 22-10. and He is 5-1 on the year. Goes 7 innings, gives up 2 runs, both of which were earned. 2-9-1 is now his ERA. And the Minnesota Twins get 2 innings of relief. Jason Castro goes deep for the Twins. That is his third home run of the year. Meanwhile, for the Astros, Brad Peacock just had his worst outing of the year. He's acclimating himself from the bullpen to a starting role and had been doing good before this game. 3.2 innings, gives up 7 runs, all of which were earned. Famber Valdez out of the bullpen has been pretty good for the team. 309 ERA, he gives up a run. All in all, Houston Astros still have a team ERA out there in the bullpen of 3, so not really their fault in this one. And Alex Bregman was able to hit a home run. That was his 6th of the year. That was in the first inning off of Barrios. But all in all, we've seen the Astros really struggle with the bats. They've been a very hit-or-miss team, and they've been very good to the under as well. The Brewers have been very much an under team so far this year, but they've also been a team that has had some very bad pitching this year. And with Freddie Peralta, you can't trust him. It winds up getting the start as the Brewers give up 11 runs for the second straight day to the Colorado Rockies, losing this one by a count of 11-6. to six. If you have an encouraging sign for the Brewers, Ryan Braun at his sixth home run of the year. He got over the Mendoza line with his performance, but Freddie Peralta in four innings gives up nine runs, six of which were earned as Orlando Arcia and Travis Shaw made errors for the Milwaukee Brewers. But 
All in all, just some very bad signs for the team. You've also got some guys out there in the bullpen that are struggling. Taylor Williams winds up giving up a run for the Brewers. He now has a ERA above 8, and Jay Jackson wound up giving up a run in his relief inning. He has an ERA of a 19.29. That is the year of the Great Depression. Meanwhile, there is no depression for the Colorado Bats right now. Nolan Arenado goes deep for his ninth home run of the year. David Dahl, his third. And Ramel Tapia has been a nice find. He goes deep for his fourth. John Gray had his worst outing of the year, but he still got the win. 5.2 innings, gives up five runs, all of which were earned. From there, the Colorado Rockies bullpen goes 3.1 innings. A lone run was given up by Chad Bettis, who has went from a starter to a reliever. And it's actually done a decent job in that role as well. So that's something that you want to note. As mentioned before, the Tampa Bay Rays win another game on the run line, 3-1 to one the final in this one. The Tampa Bay Rays got a very good pitching performance from Charlie Morton after they lost that doubleheader on Wednesday. Charlie Morton was able to stop the bleeding with 6.2 innings, gave up one run, only one walk in this one, and then from there, the bullpen goes 2.1 innings, does not give up a single run. Obviously, a very good showing there, and the big hit that was able to allow the Tampa Bay Rays to get that run line win, a two-run dinger from Brandon Lowe in the ninth inning, and that came off of Willie Peralta, who takes a loss for the Kansas City Royals. Good news if you're a Royals fan is that Brad Boxberger didn't come in the game, but Peralta, now he's a 7 ERA. He's not much better. Danny Duffy, actually with a good start. Six innings pitch, gave up one run. But for the Kansas City Royals, once again, it was the top lineup getting the job done. And then everyone else after number four had a combined one hit. This Kansas City Royals lineup still continues to be so top-heavy. The Washington Nationals, they might have an improving bullpen. They wind up getting the win over the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 2-1. to one. Steven Strasburg looked very good in this outing. He winds up going 6.2 innings, gives up one run, two walks, nine strikeouts. He now has a 3.45 ERA. And then from there, Sean Doolittle and Kyle Bearclaw able to shut the door. Tony Sipp also got an out. And for the Washington Nationals, they actually did not have a single RBI in this one, which is really shocking because the St. Louis Cardinals wound up committing a bevy of errors. You cannot put this loss on Dakota Hudson. Gives up two runs in six innings, only one of which were earned. And then from there, Dominique Leon had 1.2 innings of relief for the St. Louis Cardinals. Still not a good pitcher out of the pen, though. 6.43 ERA. But for the St. Louis Cardinals, they just weren't able to drive them in. One for seven with men in scoring position. Ten men left on base, so got to give a tip of the hat to the Washington Nationals pitching. And you've got to give a tip of the hat to the Chicago White Sox, who just did not give up in their game against the Boston Red Sox. They are able to get a 6-4 win as Nicky Delmonico hits a three-run dinger in the bottom of the ninth to be able to give the team the win. His first of the campaign, the team also got a little bit of power out of the catcher spot. James McCann wound up hitting his third home run of the year. He's now hitting 365. Very good sign for this team. Also, Lucas Giolito wound up going... Five innings, gave up three runs in his first start off the injured list. That's honestly not too bad considering he had only two walks. This is a man that has his walk issues. He wound up giving up a home run to Andrew Benintendi. That is his third of the year. And David Price looked a little bit shaky in this game. Six innings pitch, gave up three runs. But Ryan Brazier was really the kryptonite in this one for the Red Sox. In his one-tenth of an inning in the ninth, he gives up three runs, two of which were earned. That dinger to Nicky Delmonico. So a Boston Red Sox team that looked like they were getting on the right track suffered a setback yesterday. And another team that suffered a setback, the Toronto Blue Jays, as they wind up losing to the LA Angels by a count of 6-2. The Blue Jays not getting a lot of offense generated right now. It was nice to see Eric Sogar 
Bogard back in the lineup. He's hitting 370 for them. He was dealing with an injury that kept him out a couple days, but Aaron Sanchez might have things catching up to him. Four innings pitch, he winds up giving up five runs, four of which were earned. From there, the bullpen of the Toronto Blue Jays continues to be pretty good. Four innings pitch, they give up one run. Sam Gavilio wound up giving up that run, but he has a 133 ERA, which is impressive. And for the LA Angels, Tyler Skaggs, a good outing in this one. Six innings pitch, gives up two runs, both of which were earned, and then three innings of relief from the Angels, who have one of the best bullpens out there in the bigs. Mike Trout provided a home run for this team, his seventh. He seems to be getting back on the right track. He's back above 300 with his average. And then Cole Calhoun goes deep for his eighth home run of the year. A good Good sign considering he is now back above the Mendoza line as well. So the LA Angels seem to be emerging with the bats. It looks like the Washington Nationals are getting some improved bullpen pitching. The Rays run line continues to be hot. And how about the San Diego Padres and the year that they're having along with the Reds unders. My big takeaways from Thursday and now let's turn the page forward to Friday and helping me do so breaking down the Friday slate and talking about some trends in general in baseball is going to be Jeff Nadu, aka the big man on campus. That is X right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is going to the bullpen as he makes a call to the Azunia Hotline. And we're back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson broadcasting from the Azunia Tequila Studios out here in beautiful Las Vegas. Great pleasure to have this gentleman join me on whatever podcast it is. That's goal with Steve Heitner, College Hoops Overtime Betting, and now MLB Overtime Betting. It is Jeff Nadu, a.k.a. the big man on campus. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeff Nadu, terrific handicapper, does a little bit of everything, and always gracious with his time and always brings the heat. Jeff, how are you doing on this fine evening? Doing well, Greg. Thanks for having me. Always appreciate talking to you. Jeff, always appreciate you joining me. And something that you turned me on to is the raise on the run line. You pointed out that stat the last time you joined me about a week, week and a half ago, and the Rays have won 19 of their 20 games on the run line so far this year by two-plus runs. What are some other things that you've noticed thus far this season when betting baseball? Because I feel like a trend that's also been very kind to me is fading these aces. I've been fading the Boston Red Sox a lot, though that seems to be turning around a little bit. What's been working for you? I think the kind of stuff that I'm kind of, you know, kind of finding out here. I mean, you obviously mentioned the Rays. This team's been a cash cow, not only on the, the run line, but just backing in general. You look at on the road this year, they've won 10 of 14 as well. So they've been really good road warriors. One that I've also looked at is Oakland. Oakland on the road has had major issues. This team has lost 11 of 15 on the road. They're down over eight units on the road this year. 0-7 as a road dog. Uh, they have just been hideous away from Oco. Texas has been a nice story so far, leading the league in runs per game. Kind of just still developing some things. Obviously, backable pitchers. I've noticed over the last week or so, been a lot of crooked numbers up on the board really early in the game. If you look at uh, over the last couple of days, there's been a lot of 6 nothing, 7 nothings in the second inning. Pitchers are kind of getting beat up. It's nice to bet on Fridays, though. It's it's kind of the new series, you know, fresh stuff. So, yeah, I, I also am kind of surprised with just how many home runs there are in the major leagues anymore. Pitching seems to be at a, a real premium anymore. There are a lot of home runs being hit, and we're on pace to see another record with home runs. And is it just me, or does it feel like pitchers are offering up way more free passes than ever? I don't know what it is, 
but I feel like we're seeing a dramatic increase in walks this year from last year. That's an interesting point. I, you know, I, I haven't really noticed, I guess, but you kind of pointed out, I, I think, you know, pitching just not really that good right now. Look at kind of up and down the leagues. I mean, there's not a lot of great pitchers left anymore, Greg. I mean, you know, there's guys that obviously are your mainstays, you know, your Max Scherzers and your, you know, your guys like that. But you look at some of the names that are kind of really pitching well this year, you know, guys like Caleb Smith, Joe Musgrove, Mike Miner, Max Freed. You know, you have a lot of guys that are just kind of, you know, coming out of nowhere and pitching well. The days seemingly anymore of, you know, some of these big boys dominating. You know, some of the guys that you mentioned, you know, your, your Justin Verlanders, your Urzers, they've not had great seasons so far. Verlander has, but you see some of these ERAs in the fours and things like that. And you're seeing random guys like Glass now and Musgrove throw well. And you mentioned some of the guys that we're going to be talking about in the next few minutes as Jeff Nadu joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And a game that really has me intrigued is the lone interleague game on the card for Friday. Oakland A's heading to Pittsburgh to face off against the Pirates. You just mentioned Joe Musgrove. He's been pretty good for the Pirates this year. He goes up against Brett Anderson, who he doesn't sound like a flashy pitcher, but he's actually done quite well as a starter for the Oakland A's. Right now I'm seeing across the board the A's as a slight underdog and Joe Musgrove, a very slight favorite with the total on this one, seven and a half. What are your thoughts here? Because this is one where I certainly look at the under and I think that the Pirates have some value. Yeah, I, I think hitting this overnight would probably be you know, the smart thing to do. Obviously, we're hearing this kind of in the morning, but I think even early on in the morning, you know, getting this as early as possible, I think is obviously the, the goal here. You, know, you look at Anderson, you made a good point. He, he up until a few starts ago was probably Oakland's best pitcher, but his last two starts, he's failed to get out of five innings. In fact, in one inning, one outing, he only went up uh, and, and threw out two and two-thirds. He's really kind of struggled a little bit. He's hitting a bit of a wall. I talked about Oakland's inability on the road. And look, for me, anytime I can get Oakland on the road at kind of a pick em price, I'm interested. You look at also throwing in the fact that Joe Musgrove has just been magnificent. I mean, 31 strikeouts over 35 innings. His whip is under .9. Opponents hitting .192 against him. Has done a really a nice job, really, any way you slice his ERA's low. I really like what I'm seeing out of Musgrove. Uh, this has really added up to a nice tonic on Pittsburgh. My only issue with Pittsburgh, I don't love them offensively. You know, they obviously struggle to get runs and stuff. But, you know, as long as Musgrove's not serving up some home runs, I think they'll be in position to win this game. I love their uh, pitching staff. They have a good bullpen, a good closer. Uh, I like Pittsburgh here. Speaking of a line that you might want to jump on right away, Tampa Bay Rays on the road to face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Tyler Glasnow goes for the Tampa Bay Rays. Dan Straley for the Baltimore Orioles. Total pitching mismatch here as Tyler Glasnow opened up as about a $2 favorite. We're seeing that tick up to 220 in some spots. This is one where I just have to take a look at the run line with the Tampa Bay Rays. There's just no really trusting Dan Straley who has given up so many home runs. ERA above six, and Glasnow has just been absolutely terrific. Yeah, I mean, year. really getting on this one early is, is pretty important. The, the numbers with the Rays are just kind of high at this point. You had to figure this would be in the twos uh, to open, and and you mentioned it. Glasnow has been really good, five and zero oh in six games. Another guy with a whip under one, thirty eight strikeouts, and what has really worked for for Tyler Glasnow, Greg, has been his success. On the first pitch, he's thrown a strike 64.2% of the time, which is fantastic. I mean, getting ahead of hitters is obviously very important. You look at this Rays team, talked about how good they've been on the road. We've talked about their ability to win by two or more runs. And 
You know, Greg, you look at Baltimore. I mean, in Camden Yards, opponents are hitting 312 this year. They have the worst team ERA in the major leagues. And it's one of the reasons they've lost, you know, 21 of the 32 games. Their pitching, you know, rotation and, and bullpen is just horrendous. I like the Rays. Again, Price is getting a bit high, though. I mean, when I lay a run line, Greg, my goal is to obviously minimize juice. I mean, we're just kind of getting to the point with, with the Rays where the numbers are a bit high. I don't love two-team parlays, but maybe pairing the, the Rays to win with, with someone else that you like might be the way to go as well. But, you know, I, you're getting high lines here at this point with the Rays early in the season. And yeah, to your point, I'm seeing a race run line more in the neighborhood of 130 at this point, as we do have Jeff Nadu joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Something that I think is always very interesting is that whenever I do this podcast, since it goes up at midnight Pacific, we never see a total on games at Wrigley Field. I've asked a couple of people about this, but how do you usually gauge totals at Wrigley Field? I know you're more of a selective better, so I don't think that you take overly many of these but i think it's an interesting dynamic because you never get an overnight line on them yeah i mean obviously you you have some obviously interesting weather conditions there at times throughout really all sports i've never been a huge fan of of betting i mean obviously the nfl is different but you know i've never been a big fan of of betting generally night sports during the day you know especially in college i i barely bet anything when it comes to early games. The, the 220 game is always an interesting one. You know, it's really hard to gauge anything until we see kind of some weather conditions. But you have to figure, I mean, you're probably going to look towards going over the total. Kyle Hendricks hasn't been particularly good. Jack Flaherty, while coming off a good start, I mean, he has an ERA over four. But you look kind of up and down this lineup. I mean, not a ton of success against Kyle Hendricks for the St. Louis Cardinals. Other than Marcelo Zuna, there's not a ton of success here. A lot of at-bats against uh, Hendricks, not a lot of success. That might be an interesting angle here. But, you know, I, I was it was kind of a fader of the Cubs initially. They're starting to play a bit better. But, yeah, I mean, gauging totals there, you obviously have to be you're big in the weather and, and keep your eye on the, the wind. And something else I find really interesting in regards to totals the ballpark out there in Arlington, that is where we see Trent Thornton take the bump for the Toronto Blue Jays on Friday against Mike Miner, a guy that has been actually pretty terrific for the Texas Rangers. He's like their only starter with an ERA below 4-7. I know that they had a good outing a couple days ago from Lance Lynn to be able to drop that, but Mike Miner has been good. Trent Thornton, ERA above 5, has yet to get a win so far this year, but we're really seeing the Toronto Blue Jays start to emerge. Vlad Guerrero Jr., out there in the lineup, things like that, and the Texas Rangers have been putting on an offensive clinic so far this year. What do you make out of this contest? Yeah, I mean, I'm never one to hold my tongue, Greg, and I'm not going to do it here. I couldn't care less that Vlad Guerrero's in the lineup right now. Vlad Guerrero's not performing for them, so you know we have to remember Toronto is not a good baseball team. I mean, they don't hit. They're they're not good offensively. Their pitching staff is average. Texas should crush Thornton. I mean, this isn't obviously a great spot for him. Uh, he's failed to. Complete six innings yet this year. Uh, he's really had issues, and you have to figure it's not going to start as a red hot Texas team who, again, leads the major leagues and runs scored. Yeah, Mike Miner's really dazzled. I mean, how how interesting. I mean, opponents hitting 179 off him. I know he's a big trade candidate for teams down the road. Definitely uh, showcasing a really effective arsenal here. He's been good. 13 strikeouts in his last game against the Mariners. I don't know what's going on. It, it kind of reminds you of. A year or two ago, Wade LeBlanc had a, a big renaissance in his career. Uh, Mike Miner's starting to look like him. The lefty's been terrific. You know, but you look at the prices for Texas, you're starting to see some hefty ones. 
you have to remember with the way they can score runs, I'm, I'm never opposed to a run line with a Texas. It's just, you know, they, they play a lot of high scoring games. You know, you don't want to obviously lay run lines in, in some of these crazy games, but I think they could do enough. I just don't like Toronto's lineup very much. I can lay one and a half runs and get to plus money back. But the way Mike Miner's pitching, why not? Something I've been very intrigued by on the Friday card as well. Chris Sale goes to Chicago to face off against the White Sox. Ronaldo Lopez goes for the Chicago White Sox against Chris Sale. Chris Sale, as we know, 0-6, essentially the worst bet on pitcher so far this year. But is it just me, or does this feel like a spot where Chris Sale can finally pick up that first win? Ronaldo Lopez enters into this game with an ERA above 6. I know they have 14 strikeouts in his last start against the Tigers, but... That's not the Ronaldo Lopez we all know and love. I just feel like the Red Sox should be able to crush him. Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Sale's really kind of been, I, you know, you don't really know what to say about Chris Sale. He's pitched pretty well in his last two starts. You know, they just really haven't given him a ton. I um, I actually went against Chris Sale. Uh, he actually didn't pitch terribly in that game. I mean, he only gave up two earned runs. A lot of people jumped on Chris Sale. He's not the same pitcher. And, and yeah, again, I think in spots, he's very fadeable. But I think in this spot, yeah, I would probably agree with you. I mean, this is obviously a team in the White Sox that with Ronaldo Lopez, you don't really want to back him. I will say this, though. This um this White Sox team is actually pretty good offensively. They have some big boppers in this lineup. I just really, Greg, until I see Chris Sale get some wins under his belt, you know, them give him some run support, I, I just – I can't get involved with Chris Sale. I, I know it's his old team, and he's pitched here before, but he's 0-5. I mean, he, they just don't win his starts. It's that simple. Until he kind of gets some things under his belt, I don't really have much interest in, in backing Chris Sale. Yeah, you're talking to a guy that has faded Chris Sale in all six of his starts so far this year, so this is a little bit of a rarity for me. Greg, I mean, if, I, I kind of always look at things like this. If it's not broke, don't fix it, but if you kind of have a feeling – you know, sometimes you're know, getting ahead of the train is obviously the big thing. It kind of looks like this is a great spot, but you know, this, this could be a sneaky over. I mean, obviously you have to figure Boston will hit, you know, maybe they can get a few runs as well, but I don't know. I'm not ready to jump in front of kind of the Chris Sale tr- tr- fade train just yet. I, until he gets some wins, I have no interest. And I actually am looking at the over on this game as well, to your point, as Jeff Nadeau joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And What else has really been standing out to you so far this year? Because the trend that I've been noticing ever since last year is that the unders at Coors Field have been going well. We see Robbie Ray versus Tyler Anderson on Friday with the Diamondbacks in town to face off against the Rockies. Total of 11, and Tyler Anderson is awful. ZRA is 11. He stinks. But with that said, the Rockies actually have a top-down bullpen so far this year. I don't know. I just feel like the... Totals in Coors Field have been inflated just on reputation alone, and because of the improved Rockies pitching in general, there's actually some value in these unders. Yeah, I mean, sometimes they're just priced too high. I, I was a big fan last year of, of backing Kyle Freeland unders in the first five. Um, generally, they were like five and a half or six, and Freeland's just been terrific as a, a starter for Colorado. I think one thing, obviously, to just continue to back Cincinnati Reds unders, I mean, this team is just giving you nothing. At the plate, I mean, you know, their pitching's obviously improved. I mean, they're giving you very little uh, from an offensive standpoint. They're only hitting 210 as a team. I mean, they're on base percentage at 284. Just a hideous group right now from an offensive standpoint. Seems like uh, them getting runs is like pulling teeth. They also have been pretty good from a 
pitching and defensive standpoint, um, opponents are really only hitting 233 against them. Runs are low. They have, I think, are 23 and 7 to the under. Unbelievable. I mean, they're hitting the under at 77%. No one's even above 62% on the rest of the MOB. They're hitting unders at a furious clip. And you really flip it around. Obviously, Seattle with overs. You know, 22-9-2 and two to the over this year. 71% of their games have gone over. Uh, that's a big-time winner in the MLB as far as overs are concerned. It's really kind of the two extremes. Betting on them have been profitable. Yep, and I am on the Seattle Mariners game over Friday, and I am on the Cincinnati Reds hosting the San Francisco Giants under tomorrow, with that total being 8.5 shaded to the over. Definitely kind of a weird number there. Two offenses that are horrendous. Uh, Sonny Gray's actually not been too bad. And you got Tyler Beatty starting tomorrow for uh, for San Francisco. He, let's just be honest, wasn't very good last year in a few starts. But he's had a really solid year so far down at AAA Sacramento. So, you know, I'm always generally a fan of backing these kids, you know, kind of making their first starts. But you know, this is a great team to face and uh, making your debut. You have to figure he's going to be able to do some good things tomorrow. At eight and a half, that, that's an interesting number. You'd have to figure that was that would be like a seven and a half. Definitely interesting to me, ain't it? And it needed to be over, too. So you're essentially getting an unjuiced eight and a half. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Obviously, you know, you look at that number and it just doesn't make much sense. I've been, I've had some real success, Greg, with going against things in baseball that don't make sense. For instance, the other night, Marlins against the Cleveland Indians. You're just kind of going against line movement where, you know, you figure it public would be backing a side, yet the line's going the other way. Now I kind of have a, some kind of weird feeling that game's going to be 9-7 or something in, in San Francisco, Cincinnati. Kind of weird. Absolutely. And Jeff, always a pleasure to have you on this podcast, College Hoops Overtime Betting, all of them. Let the good people I know. Let the good people at home know where they can find you and all your work. Man, I definitely miss college basketball, man. It's It's been about a month or so since that final game. It'll be here before we know it. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Nadu, J-F-F-N-A-D-U. You can also find me on YouTube. Uh, just search B-M-O-C. And a big thanks to Jeff Nadu for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And now it is that time of the show where I give you a side and total on every game on the Las Vegas betting board as we touch them all. Hey, I'm Steve Heitner, the guy who uttered the famous phrase, that's gold. And that's the inspiration of my new podcast, That's Gold with Steve Heitner. We talk sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, Vegas, music, movies, and more. Five days a week. Did I say movies twice? Look, guys love it, whether they're hip or worried about breaking a hip. Find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify and Stitcher. That's gold with me, Steve Heitner. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. And we are back here in the Zunia Tequila Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. Big thanks to our man Jeff Nadu for joining me in the last segment. And now it is that time that I give you a side and total on every game on today's Las Vegas betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that any changes that are going to be made to these plays are going to be noted on my Twitter page at gnr 81 Some of these plays are going to be all locked in and good to go. Other of these plays, 
going to be a little bit stuck out in limbo, and that'll be also noted on the Twitter page. As we start with 901-902 on the bang rotation, the St. Louis Cardinals head to Chicago to face off against the Cubs. Kyle Hendricks goes on the bump for the Cubs. Jack Flaherty goes for the St. Louis Cardinals. Total on this game is off the board since it is a game in Wrigley Field. It's going to depend on the wind. Meanwhile, if you like the Cardinals, going to be laying anywhere between minus 1.4 and minus 110. If you want to take a shot on the Cubs, you're going to get anywhere between even money and lay minus 106. This line is jumping all over the place. And I think that this is a spot where you do have to rely upon Jack Flaherty. He had a couple bad starts earlier this year when he faced off against the Milwaukee Brewers, but that just seems to be a team that has his number. And then with Kyle Hendricks, he had a great start earlier this year against the Arizona Diamondbacks, but last year he was one of the least profitable pitchers out there in baseball, and this year not doing much better. 1-4 record, 5-3-3 ERA, 178 whip. In 25 and a third innings, he's given up 37 hits. And this is to a St. Louis Cardinals team that entering into Thursday had scored four or more runs in 19 of their last 22 games. This team is as hot as a pistol. Jose Martinez has been doing a tremendous job of being able to get on base for this team. Along with Dexter Fowler, and Dexter Fowler's on the 10-day injured list, so Harrison Bader has been seeing a lot more time because of it. But you take a look at Jose Martinez. He's hitting above 340 this year. Matt Wieters, whenever he's behind the dish, he's hitting right around 350. Colton Wong isn't as hot as he was to begin the year, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to get on base. Marcel Ozuna hitting above 270. He's been supplying power with 10 home runs, 29 RBI. Paul Goldschmidt has picked it up. Paul DeYoung hitting 340 as well. So you've got a lot of guys that are doing tremendous things for this lineup. But for the Chicago Cubs, things really seem to be getting back online for a couple of their studs. Anthony Rizzo is picking it up along with Kyle Schwarber. They both had good series against the Seattle Mariners. Javi Baez and Jason Award have been constants for this team. Javi Baez, 314 average, 10 runs, 24 RBI. Jason Award hitting 329. He's been supplying some power. We have noticed that Daniel Descalso has really fallen back to earth. But all in all, you got to like what you're seeing of the Chicago Cubs. But you need guys like Ben Zobris and company to be able to pick some things up as well. And I do think that the Cubs have a very good bullpen, but so do the St. Louis Cardinals. So this is going to be interesting on the total. I just trust in Jack Flaherty and this offense a little bit more. So I wound up playing and locking in the St. Louis Cardinals while being able to lay essentially nothing in regards to juice. So I was very happy about that. Total is going to have to rely upon the win. This is one where I could either go over or under just because... Kyle Hendricks is a guy that really lends himself to giving up runs. Jack Flaherty has been pitching better as of late, though. So if this total is 9 and there's no win, I'd probably take it under. But with that said, if it would be 8 and there'd be a little bit of win, I'd probably take it over. So it's just one of those things that it all depends on the conditions and everything like that. So I'm not able to get much on a total, but have already locked in the St. Louis Cardinals as a play. 903-904 on the banging rotation. The Washington Nationals head to Philadelphia to face off against the Phillies. Jared Eikhoff takes a bump for the Phillies. Jeremy Hellickson on the mound for the Washington Nationals. Total on this game is 9, and the 9 is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice, over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. If you like the Washington Nationals, you're going to be getting a plus price of anywhere between plus 147 and plus 152. One late here with Phillies anywhere between minus 157 and minus 165. Jared Eikhoff just should not be this big of a favorite. I know that Jeremy Hellickson is not going to go deep into this game, and we know that the Nationals bullpen 
certainly has had its woes so far this year, but the Nationals' bullpen actually seems to be getting a little bit better. You do have a couple reliable arms in Kyle Bearclaw and Sean Doolittle. And then for this team, you take a look at the injuries that they've been dealing with. It does lend itself to the under. Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, and Juan Soto are all injured. Soto, the only of those three that's currently not on the 10-day injured list. Phillies banged up themselves. Scott Kingray, Odubo Herrera, both out of the lineup. They've been dealing with Roman Quinn being on and off the injured list as well. And they don't have a lot of guys that are necessarily hitting for great averages. Gene Segura is hitting above 300. That's been nice. And Cesar Hernandez and Mikel Franco towards the bottom of the lineup have been able to produce. But Bryce Harper right now hitting 231. Andrew McCutcheon, 257. Reese Hoskins supplying the power. He has nine home runs so far this year. But the 278 average isn't necessarily too great. JT Rumoto is doing nice as well. But with the Phillies, you do have a couple questions with the bullpen with guys like Sir Anthony Dominguez and Hector Neris and company. It's not a bad bullpen, but it's not anything great. And Jeremy Ellickson, you know that he's probably not going to go too deep in this game. So far this year, he's only pitched 21 and two-thirds innings. He has issued 10 walks and he's given up four long balls. The one thing I will say for Eikhoff is in his 17 innings this year, he has not allowed a single dinger. But I have a feeling that his 2-1-2 ERA and his one whip certainly going to be on the rise in this one. I like the plus price here with the Washington Nationals. This is one that I'm in Wayne Simo because I'm noticing a lot of steam coming in on the Phillies, but have already locked in this total under. I think it's going to be a struggle for either team to be able to get to four runs. 9-5, 9-6 on the batting rotation. The Atlanta Braves head to Miami to face off against the Marlins. Jose Urania goes for the Marlins. Kevin Gosman on the bump for the Atlanta Braves. Tone this game is 8, and that 8 is shaded to the over between minus one. 15 and minus 120 juice on the over under anywhere between minus 105 and even money. If you like the Atlanta Braves, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 145 and minus 150. Want to take a shot here on the fish. Going to get anywhere between plus 130 and plus 138. This is a spot where I just do not think that Jose Urania is going to be able to give a very good start whatsoever. And we've noticed with the Miami Marlins, their bullpen has not been performing too well. We also know that with the Atlanta Braves, their bullpen has not necessarily been terrific. But Kevin Gosman has been okay this year, I guess you could say. He started off the year on the injured list, so he's still sort of reacclimating himself. 30 innings pitch. He has 33 punch-outs, 10 walks, 5 home runs, giving up a 480 ERA, but only a 107 whip. Meanwhile, Jose Urania... He has a 508 ERA, but his whip, 154. And the reason for that, in 33 and two-thirds innings, he's really given up the contact, 43 hits. And with the Atlanta Braves, you've got a whole bunch of guys that are doing a good job of being able to get on base. Ozzie Albies hitting 292 with six home runs, 13 RBI. Dansby Swanson, 25 RBI of his own. Nick Markakis hitting 327. Tyler Flowers, whenever he's been in the lineup, he has been hitting over 300. You also obviously get some power with Ronald Acuna Jr. He in the middle of the lineup hitting 273. And then you just take a look up and down. You've even got guys like Charlie Culberson and Matt Joyce are able to give professional at-bats whenever they're in the game as well. And Freddie Freeman also hitting above 300. You take a look at the flip side for the Miami Marlins. You don't have a lot of guys that are hitting too well. Jose Alfaro hitting 288 with five home runs at night. RBI is nice. Miguel Rojas hitting 286. And Martin Prado, whenever he's in the game, has been able to do a good job of being able to get on base. But... Curtis Granderson still hitting below the Mendoza line. Things seem to be turning around for him a little bit in regards to power, but he still has been a real liability in the middle of the lineup. Brett Anderson, Sterling Castro, Beretti at the third base position. These are all guys that are not hitting very well. And with the Miami Marlins, they just do not really lend themselves to being able to 
get too many deep balls as well, which has really been what's hurt Kevin Gosman. And I think for that reason, the Atlanta Braves should be able to win this game by a wide margin. I'm going to bypass the money line and I'm going to go run line here on the Atlanta Braves. I'm seeing anywhere between plus 115 and plus 110 on the run line. I've already locked this run line in with the Atlanta Braves. And I do think the Braves are going to score a lot of runs in this game. So I'm going to take this total over. I know that the Miami Marlins are averaging less than three runs a game themselves, but I just think the Braves are going to do all the damage by themselves. Currently, Wayne Seamode on that total since it is currently shaded with minus 115 to minus 120 juice. 907, 908 on the betting rotation. The Cincinnati Reds play host to the San Francisco Giants. Going on the hill for the Cincinnati Reds is Sonny Gray. Meanwhile, the San Francisco Giants trot out there. Tyler Beatty, the total on this game is 8.5 and, and it is shaded over. Over is between minus 115 and minus 120. Under, anywhere between minus 105 and even juice. If you like these Cincinnati Reds, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 152 and minus 160. If you like the Giants, you're going to get a plus price of anywhere between plus 142 and plus 147. Just really hard to have any faith in Tyler Beatty in this spot. He wound up going 0-2 with an ERA above 8 in his very few pitching outings in the MLB last year. And this is a guy that has spent most of the year in AAA Sacramento. He has a 1.99 ERA at the AAA level in five starts, but it's just really hard to trust that considering the way that he got completely shelled last year. And then last year in AAA, he wound up going 4-9 with a 7.05 ERA. I just have a tough time being able to trust in a sample size of five starts that spans 22 and two-thirds innings at the AAA level as to, oh, he's back. Now I will say he has 34 strikeouts in those 22 and two-thirds innings, but there is something else that we also know. Both the Reds and the Giants are doing a very atrocious job of hitting right now. You just take a look at the Cincinnati Reds. Jesse Winker has been able to supply some power, but he's only hitting 224 to go with his eight home runs. Joey Votto hitting 232. Eugenio Suarez hitting 224. And as a team, the Cincinnati Reds 207. As a team for the San Francisco Giants 214. The only guy other than Buster Posey that's hitting above 250 that's a regular for the San Francisco Giants, and he's not even starting every day, is Pablo Sandoval. Brandon Belt is hitting 230. Kevin Pillar has been giving this team a little bit of power, but he's only hitting 233. Brandon Crawford barely hitting above the Mendoza line. Eric Kratz, whenever he's behind the dish, hitting below 200. The list goes on and on. And with the San Francisco Giants, they've got a top five bullpen in the bigs, and the Reds have a top five bullpen as well. And they've got the best starter in this game. I know that Sonny Gray is 0-4, but that's not indicative of the way he's pitched so far this year. 364 ERA, 0.98 whip, 29 and two-thirds innings. He's got 36 strikeouts, has only given up one long ball. This is a spot where I think the Reds should be able to thoroughly manhandle BD in his first start of the year and should be able to take it to the San Francisco Giants. I've already locked in the under just because I do think that BD is going to be able to have a decent start in this one and he's backed up by a good bullpen, but I think the Reds should be able to win this game by multiple runs. I'm seeing a run line price of the Reds at plus 125. Trying to wait and see if this goes to plus 130 or plus 135, but would gladly take it at plus 125 as well. Game 909-910 on the betting rotation. You've got the New York Mets heading to Milwaukee to face off against the Brewers. Steven Matz goes for the Mets. Meanwhile, Brandon Woodruff on the hill for the Milwaukee Brewers. If you like the Mets, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 120. If you want to lay with the Milwaukee Brewers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 125 and minus 130. Total in this game is 9 and the shading is on the under. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105 and that is across the board. 
And I don't understand why Steven Matz is not getting more respect. Brandon Woodruff has been okay as a starter, but right now he's being backed up by a bullpen that has been heavily used because of that Chase Anderson injury a few nights ago. We saw them get just completely shellacked against the Colorado Rockies on Thursday as well, so this is a bullpen that is completely gassed. And Woodruff is not going to be able to give this team a whole lot of innings. While Woodruff is 3-1 in six starts, he's only got 31 in a third inning, so he's very rarely getting to the sixth inning. He does have 38 strikeouts to only 10 walks, which is terrific, and four home runs given up, but he does lend himself to contact. 5-1-7 ERA, 1-4-7 whip. Steven Matz, aside from that just complete blow-up start that he had against the Philadelphia Phillies, if you remove that, he has an ERA below two because in that start he gave up eight runs, did not record a single out for the year. He has a 3.68 ERA, 29 in a third innings pitch. He's given up six long balls, but a lot of that was because of that bad start. And all in all, he's been doing a good job of limiting the walks with eight. With the New York Mets, you've got some guys that are doing a great job of being able to get on base with Pete Alonso hitting 291 with nine home runs, 26 RBI. Jeff McNeil hitting above 350. Wilson Ramos has been falling back to earth a little bit, but he does a decent job of getting on. Robinson Cano has been supplying this team with a little bit of average. He's come on in recent weeks. And then you've got Michael Conforto, Todd Frazier, and Brandon Nimmo. Frazier and Nimmo have been struggling, but you got to think that Todd Frazier going to be able to pick things up as he's able to get more at-bats because he spent the year on the injured list to begin the year. And then Brandon Nimmo, it's just been a little bit cold, but he's been helped out by Amid Rosario being able to pick up the slack. The Mets, as we know, have a bad bullpen as well, but the Milwaukee Brewers honestly are in the bottom 10 regards of bullpen ERA themselves. So both these teams have a big bullpen liability, and I think with how badly tax the Brewers are, it's going to come back to hurt them. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, they have been without... Christian Yelich for this entire week in general. We all know what he's able to do. Hitting above 320, 14 home runs, over 30 RBI. So that means that Ben Gamble is seeing more time, and he's hitting 300. you got to give him some credit. He's been doing well there, but you've got a couple other guys that are not picking it up for the Milwaukee Brewers. Jesus Aguiar, though he had three home runs in that series against the Colorado Rockies, hitting 173. Orlando Arcia, 231. Manny Pina, 129. Brandon Shaw, 189. Ryan Braun, 206. That puts a lot of pressure on Mike Moustakis and Eric Thames to be able to supply the power. And for that reason, I think that Steven Matz is going to have a very good start in this one. And that is why I'm taking a look at the total under currently in wait and see mode there. Also in wait and see mode on the New York Mets. I'm trying to see if I'm going to be able to get more of a plus 130 price somewhere in that neighborhood. But I think the Mets have a little bit of a better rested bullpen. I think they've got the better starter in this spot. I just think the Brewers are just completely gassed at this point. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting rotation. You've got the Arizona Diamondbacks in Colorado to face off against the Rockies. Tyler Anderson goes for the Rockies. Robbie Ray on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. The total on this game is 11, and the 11 is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice on the under. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the Colorado Rockies, you're going to be getting anywhere between between plus 105 and minus 103 on the price. Meanwhile, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Neither of these pitchers are necessarily what I would call great, but there is one big fade out of these two, and it is certainly Tyler Anderson. It's not necessarily a ringing endorsement of Robbie Ray, who has been issuing the free passes left and right. But Tyler Anderson, in four starts this year, 16 and two-thirds innings, he has 18 strikeouts. 
that does you no good when you've got 10 walks and have given up 6 home runs, 26 hits, 216 whip, 1134 ERA. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray, he's 1-1 this year, 418 ERA. I mentioned the walks, 17 of them in 32 in the third innings, but he's only given up four long balls, does a good job of being able to live at the hard contact. And both these teams have been doing a pretty good job of hitting. Catel Marte hitting 263, 7 home runs, 22 RBI. Christian Walker chipping in an average above 300 with 7 home runs of his own. David Peralta hitting above 300. Gerard Dyson has been doing a nice job of being able to get on base. Dick Ahmad at the bottom of the lineup is providing something. John Ryan Murphy, whenever he's behind the dish, has been a nice contributor as well. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, they were really able to find their stuff against the Milwaukee Brewers, scoring 22 runs in the final two games of that series, you've got Charlie Blackman at the top of the lineup hitting 282. Trevor Story has really gotten things going. Nolan Arenado hit his ninth long ball of the year. David Dahl has three home runs to go with his 333 average. Ryan McMahon and Mark Reynolds are struggling along with Ian Desmond, but Ramiel Tapia has been a very unexpected surprise hitting 286 with four home runs so far this year. He had another big showing against the Milwaukee Brewers. So all in all, things are going well for this team. And with the Rockies, you can't think that they're going to keep Tyler Anderson in too long. And their bullpen among the top 10 in the big leagues in regards to ERA. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, we've noticed that their bullpen has picked it up as well. So even though I do think that we could see both these starters get a little bit shelled, I do think that we're going to see this total go under. And I've I'm currently in wait and see mode on that under, but I have already locked in the Arizona Diamondbacks. I feel a little bit more comfortable with their top-to-bottom lineup, and I do think that Robbie Ray is significantly better as a starter than Tyler Anderson. So locked in the D-backs in wait and see mode on the under. 9-13, 9-14 on the banging rotation. The LA Dodgers are in San Diego to face off against the Padres. Eric Lauer goes for the Padres. For the Dodgers, you've got Clayton Kershaw. Total in this game is 7, and it is shaded under. Under anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over anywhere between even juice and minus 105. If you like the Dodgers, this price is fluctuating. You could lay anywhere between minus 160 and minus 175. Meanwhile, if you like the Padres, the plus price also moving around quite a bit. Anywhere between plus 147 and plus 160. I just don't have a lot of faith in Eric Lauer as a starter. He's not necessarily a terrible pitcher, but I feel like this is just a total mismatch with Clayton Kershaw. In his three starts this year, Clayton Kershaw has won a total of 20 innings, 21 strikeouts, only two walks surrendered, a 0.75 whip and a 2.25 ERA. He has been terrific. Eric Lauer, meanwhile, he is 2-3, ERA. In 32 and two-thirds innings, he's given up five long balls, and considering the fact that he pitches at Petco Park, not necessarily great. And with the LA Dodgers, some of their bats have been a little bit hit or miss this year, but one that has not been Cody Bellinger. Hitting 425, 14 home runs, 38 RBI so far this year. And the LA Dodgers... While they've got some struggling bats, they've got a lot of guys around them that have potential. Justin Turner hitting 278 with only one home run. you got to think that that's going to change. Kike Hernandez was able to get on track in that series against the San Francisco Giants. Russell Martin is still able to deliver professional at-bats. Alex Verdugo hitting 342. You got to think that Chris Davis is going to be able to up his average from a 162. We are noticing that A.J. Pollock and Max Muncie also struggling, but you got to think that these guys are going to be able to get online. And for the San Diego Padres, Famio Reyes has been on fire. He now has eight home runs, 14 RBI. Right around this time last week, he was hitting near the Mendoza line, now up to 242. 
Eric Hosmer coming on with the bat. He's hitting 261, five home run, 20 RBI. Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting 300. Manny Machado was able to get himself going as well. Now, the catcher spot for the San Diego Padres has been really bad, to say the least. They've been, for the most part, having Austin Hedges there, and he just has not really gotten the job done with a batting average of 190, but they are getting something out of Will Myers as well, even though he's been in a little bit of a cold spell. And Ian Kinsler going 3-for-6 against the Atlanta Braves yesterday to up his average of 174. You got to think it's a good sign there. But all in all, I do think the Dodgers are going to be able to win this game. Caleb Ferguson and Scott Alexander are currently both injured along with David Freeze, so that's something that you want to note. But the good news is they don't have to face off against Fernando Tatis Jr., who I mentioned earlier, who was placed on the 10-day injured list as well. I think that Clayton Kershaw just going to deliver a much better start in this spot, and I think that some of those Dodgers bats that have been not getting it going to begin the year are going to be able to. I'm looking at a run line price here with the Dodgers. Currently, I'm seeing plus 110. Going to wait to try to see if I can get plus 115 or plus 120, but I'm going to be on that along with the over. Just some wait and see mode to see if I can get more even juice or perhaps a six and a half there. 915, 916 on the betting rotation. The Tampa Bay Rays head to Baltimore to face off against the Orioles. Dan Straley goes for the Baltimore Orioles. Tyler Glass now on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. Total on this game is nine, and the nine is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice on the under. The over, anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the Tampa Bay Rays, between $195 and $2. Meanwhile, if you want to take a shot on the Orioles, get to get anywhere between plus $175 and plus $180. I do think that we're going to see a very low-scoring game, but I think that we're going to see a low-scoring game because Tyler Glasnow has been absolutely terrific for the Tampa Bay Rays so far this year, who their offense has been struggling a little bit, not going to lie. In their last three games against the Kansas City Royals, they scored two or three runs in every one of those games, but that'll be more than enough for Tyler Glasnow. 5-0 this year, 175 ERA, .94 whip, 38 strikeouts in 36 innings. He's only issued three long balls. Dan Straley on the other end in 18.2 innings has given up seven home runs, or I should say 18 and two-thirds innings, my apologies, to make it all the better. His whip is a 166, 675 ERA. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, you don't have a lot of guys that are hitting the cover off the ball, especially with Austin Meadows hurt, but Yandy Diaz, seven home runs, 18 RBI so far this year. Brandon Lowe hitting above 300. And then you've got G-Man Choi back in the lineup. He was able to supply a home run in that series against the Kansas City Royals, and Lowe was able to hit that big home run to be able to secure the Tampa Bay Rays run line yesterday. Avicio Garcia is hitting 260. You gotta like the way that Nathaniel Lowe has been able to deliver some good at-bats. He's hitting 267 as well whenever he's called upon. And then both the catchers, Perez and Zanino have left something to be desired for the Tampa Bay Rays, but for the Baltimore Orioles, they have the worst bullpen out there in the big leagues. They're now dealing with some injuries with their starting pitcher, Alex Cobb, as well, so they're sort of playing mix and match there. They do have some good bats themselves. Renato Nunez hitting 261, six home runs, eight RBI. Trey Boom Boom Mancini hitting 342 with some power. Dwight Smith Jr. has 21 RBI in the year, but we all know that Chris Davis still hitting below. 200. Pedro Severino is not a guy that you can really rely upon for too much offense out there at the catcher spot. Jeff Rickard hitting below the Mendoza line. Martin at the shortstop spot also doing so. And Rio Ruiz only hitting 240. He's been not good to say the least. And all in all, this is just a Orioles team I have zero faith in. I think that Tyler Glasnow is going to be able to dominate them. Currently, I'm seeing the Rays minus 130 on the run line. I think this is because they've covered 
the run line and all but won their wins so far this year, but I'm going to wait and see if I can get a little bit of a better price. I'm going to wait and see if I can get 9.5 instead of 9 on the under. I'm going to be waiting on that number, but I'm going to be on this total under, and I'm going to be playing the Tampa Bay Rays on the run line. 9-17, on the bang rotation. The Minnesota Twins head to New York to face off against the Yankees. James Paxson takes a bump for the Yankees. Kyle Gibson goes for the Minnesota Twins. So in this game is 8, and the 8 is shaded under. Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115 juice. Over anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. If you like the Twins, you're going to get anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145. If you want to lay it here with the Yankees, that is anywhere between minus 150 and minus 155. James Paxson has been absolutely terrific so far this year, but I actually do feel like we're starting to see the coming of age of Kyle Gibson as well. And we're also seeing a New York Yankee team that I feel like the injuries are starting to finally take a toll on the bats in general. Kyle Gibson, who I mentioned before, 27 to two-thirds innings, has only allowed four home runs so far this year, eight walks. He's got 488 ERA, 123 whip with a 2-0 record. James Paxson, he is fanning, guys. 34 and two-thirds innings, 51 strikeouts, 338 ERA, has only given up three long balls. But the Minnesota Twins, they've been supplying the power so far this year. 52 home runs in 29 games, and that's led by Eddie Rosario. Hitting only 223, but 11 home runs and 24 RBI. Certainly going to be able to make up for that. Jorge Polanco hitting 336. Max Kepler has been able to do a good job of going deep towards the leadoff spot of the lineup. He has seven dingers of his own. And then you've got guys like Nelson Cruz hitting 300. Now, CJ Crone, Marwan Gonzalez both need to pick it up. They're both hitting below 220, but you've also got to like the fact that they're getting something out of Jason Castro at the catcher spot. He had a home run yesterday. Jonathan Scope has been doing better at the bottom of the lineup with a 278 average, and Byron Buxton has even been decent. Meanwhile, with the New York Yankees, you're dealing with all these injuries. Clint Frazier now on the 10-day injured list. DJ LeMayhew day-to-day. You want to check his status. Luke Voigt has been doing a great job with the bat. 277 average. Nine home runs. 26 RBI. You still have Glaber Torres and Brett Gardner in the lineup. But you're relying on guys like Mark Tuckman. Gio Urshela, who's been a little bit banged up himself. Now getting Gary Sanchez and his eight home runs on the season back in the lineup is nice, but you're also betting on guys like Cameron Maben and Tyler Wade. So for that reason, I do think that Kyle Gibson is going to be able to deliver a good start for a Minnesota Twins team that, let's face it, doesn't necessarily have the best bullpen, but I think that the Twins are going to be able to get to Paxson. I think they're going to be able to hit a couple long balls, and I think that they're going to get to a bullpen that has a lot of big names, but has not necessarily been living up to their building. Aroldis Chapman isn't quite what he once was. Zach Britton hasn't been getting the job done along with Jonathan Holder. So for that reason, looking at this total over, and I'm going to take the Minnesota Twins, currently in waiting see mode on both of those prices. 919-920 on the bang rotation. It is the Detroit Tigers playing host the Kansas City Royals. Matthew Boyd goes for the Detroit Tigers. Meanwhile, our good friend Jorge Lopez for the Kansas City Royals. Drawing this game's 8.5, and, and that is shaded to the under. The under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is between even and minus 110. If you like the Tigers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 144 and minus 151. If you want to take the plus price with the Royals, you're going to get anywhere between plus 133 and plus 141. There is just no trusting our good friend Jorge Lopez in this spot. This has got to be the biggest starting pitching mismatch out there on the board as Matthew Boyd has been absolutely terrific for the Detroit Tigers this year. I know he took a loss against the Chicago White Sox, but 2-2, two and 3-1-3 two, ERA, 37 and a third innings, 48 punch outs, so only 10 walks. He's only given up two long balls. Meanwhile, our good buddy Lopez is 0-2, 508 ERA. 
Seven home runs given up in 33 and two-thirds innings. He has 31 strikeouts, but he's also given up more free passes. And let's face it, with the Kansas City Royals, you've got a big divide between the guys that are hitting and the guys that are not. The guys at the top doing a very good job of being able to get on base. Whit Merrifield and Alberto Mondesi both hitting above 285. Alex Gordon is hitting 284 himself with some power. And Hunter Dozier has been terrific. 344 average. He's been able to supply seven home runs of his own. He's been driving some runs in. But then from there, you've got guys like Chris Owings who are hitting below 200. Martin Maldonado not doing anything whatsoever with the bat. Jorge Soler is above 200 with the average, but not by much, 223. And you also have Billy Hamilton, who's only hitting 217. Meanwhile, you take a look at the flip side for the Detroit Tigers. Not necessarily lighting the world on fire. 232 team average with only 21 dingers, but... Nico Goodrum seems to be getting it going with the bat. He now has a trail of home runs to go with Gordon Beckham. Gordon Beckham only hitting 220, but Miguel Cabrera now hitting 278. The bat has really come on for him. Brandon Dixon has been a nice find for this team along with Ronnie Rodriguez. Both these guys have been hitting ever since getting back into the lineup. Nick Cassiano hitting 270 himself. And then you take a look at Jody Mercer being able to get his first home run of the year against the Philadelphia Phillies. That was big for this team. I do think that Matthew Boyd is going to be able to deliver a lights-out start, but I just think that the the Detroit Tigers are also going to get to a Kansas City Royals bullpen that has just been absolutely atrocious. The Royals are one of the best teams to the over so far this year, and I think that Matthew Boyd is probably going to give up a run or two, and we know that the Tigers bullpen also not nails, but I do think that the Tigers are going to be able to dominate in this one. I'm seeing a run line price here between plus 130 and plus 135. I've already locked in the run line with the Detroit Tigers, and I've already locked in this total over. 9-21, 9-22 on the banging rotation. It is the Seattle Mariners in Cleveland to face off against the Indians. Shane Bieber fever goes for the Indians. Meanwhile, Yusei Kikuchi goes for the Seattle Mariners. Total in this game is between 8 and 8.5. Eight and the 8s have an over of minus 115, the under of minus 105. If you like the 8.5, under is between minus 115 and minus 120, over between even juice and minus 105. If you're looking at the Cleveland Indians in this spot, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 148 and minus 155. If you want to take the plus price with the Mariners, you're going to get between plus 135 and plus 140. I do like what I've seen out of Shane Bieber. Now, he does give up some loud outs, to say the least, but all in all, he's been able to get the job done, and we saw with Yusei Kikuchi the last time he had a start that was against the Texas Rangers last week. He only went one inning. They're experimenting with him, being a little bit of an opener, and what we know about the Seattle Mariners is that their bullpen stinks. Meanwhile, Bieber probably going to go deep in this game, 2-1 record, 3-6 ADRA, and 29 in the third innings. He's got 34 strikeouts. 11 walks is a little bit high, but the four dingers, not necessarily too bad in Kikuchi. 4-5-4 ERA and he's going to hand it to a bullpen that is not good. With the Seattle Mariners you've got some guys that are doing a good job of being able to hit. Domingo Santana, 6 home runs, 30 RBI, 284 average. D. Gordon hitting nearly 300. Ryan Ely hasn't necessarily been there with the average, but he's been supplying a lot of power. But we have noticed that the Seattle Mariners, in regards to their offense, has really been coming back down to earth. Had games in which they've had two hits or fewer in shutouts in essentially two in the last eight days. Tim Beckham is now hitting 277. Daniel Vogelbach has his average back below 300 as well. Mitch Hanniger only hitting 236. And then you take a look at the flip side. The Cleveland Indians 
have been hit or miss with the bats themselves, to say the least, so far this year as a team. They're only hitting 215, but they now have their key pieces back, and Carlos Santana has been a concept for this team all year long. Four home runs, 17 RBI, hitting 323. Now you have Francisco Lindor back in the lineup along with Carlos Gonzalez and Jason Kipnis. you got to think that Kipnis is going to be able to improve that 184 batting average, and Jose Ramirez is not going to continue to hit 183. Lindor hitting 231 himself. That should improve along with Carlos Gonzalez's 240. I think that there's a lot of regression to the mean year with the Cleveland Indians, and their bullpen has been very spectacular to be able to help out Shane Bieber as well. Leonos Martin providing some power at the top of the lineup with five home runs himself, and I think that the Cleveland Indians are going to really be able to get those bats going. I've already locked in the Indians on the money line, and I've already locked in this total over. I think that we're going to see quite a few runs in this game from the Indians. 923-924 on the betting rotation. The Texas Rangers play host to the Toronto Blue Jays. Trent Thornton toes the rubber for the Toronto Blue Jays. Mike Miner takes the hill for the Texas Rangers. Throwing this game is 9.5, and we're seeing that shaded over. Over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120, under between even juice and minus 105, and we've seen a 10 pop out there as well. That over and under is both minus 110. If you like the Toronto Blue Jays, you're going to get a plus price here. Anywhere between plus 134 and plus 140. One laid here with the Texas Rangers. You're going to be laying anywhere between minus 144 and minus 150. I know that we've seen a lot of good starts so far this year out of Mike Miner, but I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here. And with the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team that has really improved since the start of the year. Thornton himself has not necessarily been great as a starting pitcher, let's be honest here. 28 in the third innings. He's got 33 strikeouts, but he's given up five home runs to go with a 508 ERA. Meanwhile, Mike Miner, 288 ERA, 39 punch outs, has only given up five home runs in 40 and a third innings at a whip of 0.91. Now, the Toronto Blue Jays don't necessarily hit it great as a team, 228 team betting average, but you got to think that Vlad Guerrero Jr. at some point is going to be able to bust out. Freddie Galvis has been doing a nice job with a 297 average. He's got five home runs of his own. Rowdy Telez has been coming on with the bat as well. He's only hitting 238 and Justin Smoke 263, but both these guys have been able to hit some dingers. They have combined for 11. Randall Gritchick has been upping his average recently, and Brandon Drury has been able to go deep in a couple games as well. And the Blue Jays themselves, not necessarily great with the bullpen, but it's not bad. The Texas Rangers bullpen that is supporting Mike Miner, though, is absolutely atrocious. We've seen them give up leads left, right, and sideways. Jose LeClerc has an ERA near 9 at this point. It has not been going well for him. You've got guys like Jesse Chavez, Springs, the list goes on and on. These Rangers are just not being able to hold down a lead, and they're very feast or famine with the bat. Rudinand Odor hitting 136 so far this year. Jeff Mathis, 160. Luke Forsythe has gotten his average of 275, but Delano DeShields Jr. hitting 208. Azubo Cabrera, 238. Joey Gallo is hitting surprisingly 264. I think that'll change. He's been supplying a lot of power with 11 home runs, but I think that that's due for a little bit of regression. Hunter Pence has been a very good addition with his bat, but Noah Mazzara is very feast or famine at the plate as well, and I do think that we're going to see a better showing here from Trent Thornton and an improved Blue Jays bullpen, so for that reason, I'm going to be looking at this total under, trying to see how high it ticks up, because we've already seen it go from 9.5 to 10, but I've already locked in the plus price with the Toronto Blue Jays. 9.25, 9.26 on the betting rotation. The Boston Red Sox are in Chicago to face off against the other Sox, the White Sox. Rinaldo Lopez goes for the Chicago White Sox. Chris Sale on the other team because you should be taking them. Goes for the Boston Red Sox. So in this game is eight and it is shaded over. Over between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is even juice and minus 105. 
you want to lay it here with the Boston Red Sox, going to be laying anywhere between minus 188 and minus $2. If you want to take a shot here on the Chicago White Sox, anywhere between plus 170 and plus 180. In all six of Chris Sale's starts this year, he has lost all six, and I faded Chris Sale in all six of those starts. We're going to stop that right here just because Ronaldo Lopez on the other end. I know that he looked terrific with 14 strikeouts and six innings against the Detroit Tigers about a week ago, but he is not a good starter. He has an ERA of a 603-169 whip. He's given out 17 walks in 31 and a third innings. And with Chris Sale, he honestly has been a little bit of a victim of bad fielding. We saw that in the game against the Tampa Bay Rays. Of the four runs that he gave up, only two were earned. Now, both these gentlemen have given up seven dingers, so I do think that we're going to see plenty of runs, which is why I'm on the over. But with the Chicago White Sox, we've seen their bats not necessarily be great recently. They were able to get things going in the second game of the doubleheader against the Baltimore Orioles. And Tim Anderson goes... Going into Thursday was hitting 365, and Jose Abreu had gotten white hot. 292 average, six home runs, 30 RBI. But we've seen Yohan Mankata have a little bit of struggles. He's still hitting right around 300, but it really is the outfield that is dooming the Chicago White Sox at this point because Daniel Polka has just essentially been removed from the lineup because he absolutely stinks. Nicky Delmonico, he's not been able to provide much in regards to average for this team. He's hitting just above the Mendoza line. Adam Engel has come on, but he's still hitting 234. Ryan Cordell, 209. Yonder Alonso hitting a buck 79. Luis Garcia hitting 284. That's nice, but all in all, I have a little bit more faith here in the Boston Red Sox. I know that Mitch Moreland only hitting right around 220, but he has nine home runs, 19 RBI, and that was going into Thursday. J.D. Martinez hitting above 300. Mookie Betts has his average very nearly to 300. And then you've got Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts doing a nice job uh, in the middle of the lineup. And Michael Chavis has been doing a great job ever since being a everyday starter out there at second base. He's hitting above 200 himself. The catcher spot for the Boston Red Sox and Jackie Bradley Jr. in general, not providing much with the bats, but all in all, I do like Andrew Banditendi as well. So for that reason, I'm looking at the Boston Red Sox here on the run line, and I've already locked in a run line price of minus 115. I'm taking a look at this total over, trying to see if the juice gets some more minus 110 on that over 8, but going to be on the over and already locked in the Red Sox run line. I think that this is finally when Chris Sale gets a win. 927-928 on the bank rotation. The Pittsburgh Pirates play host to the Oakland A's. Brett Anderson goes for the A's. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates are out there. Joe Musgrove told this game 7.5 and, and is shaded over. Over anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under anywhere between even juice and minus 105. If you like the Pirates, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 124 and minus 133. If you want to take a plus price here with the Oakland A's, you're going to get anywhere between plus 114 and plus 123. Joe Musgrove Grove has been a quality starter thus far this year for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then with the Oakland A's, I would argue that Brad Anderson actually has been their best starter. Neither of these guys are necessarily going to be wiping you out with a whole bunch of plus stuff and a bunch of strikeouts or anything like that. But you take a look at the Oakland A's. They've had no games in which they've exceeded four runs against teams not named the Texas Rangers and the Baltimore Orioles since April 7th. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they are just all sorts of banged up and for the year, averaging less than three and a half runs per game. The guys that have been getting the job done for the Pittsburgh Pirates have really been Josh Bell and Melky Cabrera. Melky Cabrera hitting 341. Josh Bell, 284 average, six home runs, 21 RBI. You got to feel like Gregory Polanco is going to be able to add a little bit of something. He came off the injured list about a week and a half ago, and he's been doing a very decent job for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He hasn't really gotten the power going, but he's hitting 267. Starling Martin 
Marte coming off the injured list, also helping out, though he's only getting 213 for the year. And you got to think that guys like J.B. Shuck are going to be able to eventually be able to get something going. Colin Moran has been a decent bat as well, but the big surprise has been Brian Reynolds hitting 414 with a home run so far this year. He's been a nice addition. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, they're just not hitting for average right now. Chris Davis with a K. Currently has 10 home runs and 24 RBI, but he's only hitting 228. Marcus Simeon at the top of the lineup is hitting 300. And Matt Chapman is not far behind, but you take a look at some of the other guys out there. They're getting absolutely nothing out of Jerickson Profar. He's hitting below the Mendoza line. Kendry's Morales. Josh Feigley, ever since he had a good start to the year, now hitting 250. And his replacement, Nick Hundley, hitting below the Mendoza line himself. Chad Pinder has a 290 average, but he's not really hitting for power. And Steven Piscotti has just been up and down all year long. And Robbie Grossman hitting 210 himself. The A's bullpen has been a lot more leaky this year than it was last year. J.B. Wendelkirk has not been getting the job done. Joaquin Soria and Fernando Rodney are gas cans. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they've got a couple closers that have not necessarily been getting the job done, but one of those guys, Nick Birdie, currently on the 10-day injured list. So that's actually a little bit of a good thing. And the Pirates currently dealing with an injury to Francisco Cervelli, not really affecting them as he was hitting below the Mendoza line anyway. I have faith that the Pittsburgh Pirates are going to be able to pull this game out, and I've already locked in the money line price on the Pittsburgh Pirates. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a closer game, and I think that both teams are going to struggle to score. So also took this total under, and that will do it for the Friday edition of MLB Overtime Betting. A big thanks to our guest, Jeff Nadu, a.k.a. the big man on campus, for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you ever have a question for the podcast, feel free to tweet it in at unit underscore 81, and let's have a successful, profitable, and fun day, and I'll catch you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.